Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's it's uh, us over here. It's not your father's movies. I'm uh, Vito. <laughs> and, I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. And I got a question for y'all. Yeah. What's up? Oh. <laughs> oh, and of course, you're referring to the fact that if you couldn't guess from our voices, we're kind of taking it a little bit easier. This is uh, hello, Patreon subscribers and hello, world, as this is going out on our main feed as well for the first month or two. But this is our What's Up episode. This used to be a segment that we do before every show. And uh, in our launch to Patreon, we are going to try and move it over there so we can have a longer kind of catch up on what we all been doing. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. We're just good. We're here to talk about any movies that we've been watching recently. Uh, you might find that this is a rougher episode because we're not editing it. So you're going to find a lot of, uh, but like, um, but I think so. Yeah. In <laughs> this episode throughout. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I will I mean, also make sure for people like Jesse, I'm sorry, Dan, uh, that I, I add in a lot of like, um, mouth smacks. <laughs> oh, that's people, bad. people love those terribly in my ears. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I, I feel like this is just, how we generally hang out when we talk like after the episodes or just talking on the phone. It's kind of always a what's up episode when we're just talking. So yeah. Yeah. And we we're here to talk about what's up, not just with movies, but with, but yes, with movies and movies with our kids and also anything else that has interested us, uh, video games, books, um, other things. Yeah. Yeah. Music. Exactly. This is this is kind of a what's up with just us as people, not just us as, uh, you know, dads doing a, a movie about podcast. Uh, sorry, a podcast about movies. It's it's just kind of letting you get to know us a little bit better, a little bit more casual, a little more easygoing. That's why yeah. you don't hear my usual stage voice here. This is how I would actually talk to these guys um, off mic. I, I don't talk at that breakneck speed all the time. His his voice is a little higher. Um, Hello, everyone. What's up? We're going to do this show. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't snort cocaine before that. <laughs> well, well, Vito, what what is up with you? Uh, so I think, uh, you know, bear with us, uh, listeners. We're working out how we're going to do the structure of this. But I think we're going to start with some movies, movies with their kids. Those are the two that we're going to start with. So um, it's been a bit of a dry spell for me for a little while about movies. Um, I got a PS5 recently, so it's led to <laughs> me watching less movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but more of that later in the show. But I have actually come back to movies recently. Me and the wife have been watching some stuff. And um, so uh, my wife, Jillian, and I in, I don't know, just because we were inspired by the big picture, we've been watching some Tom Cruise movies. Mm. So two Tom Cruise movies that neither of us had seen in their entirety was Top Gun and War of the Worlds. Um, uh. Never seen Top Gun all the way through. Obviously seen clips like a billion times and uh, sat down, watched the whole thing. It's pretty doable. It's like an hour 40. Um, it's fine. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I think you had to be there. Or you had to be a kid, but uh, it's fine. It exists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll just say that I, I've never loved Top Gun, but when I think of a classic summer bo- blockbuster, Top Gun is it. Yeah, it's got everything. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's well paced and it's it's very well made. Shirtless volleyball. Um, what else is shirtless volleyball? You know, it's fantastic shirtless volleyball. Too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> although I have to say that uh, Tom Cruise. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be mean here, but he does have kind of a strange upper body physique. He has really sloping shoulders. Like everyone else is like broad and like he's cut. He looks great. I'm not, you know he looks better than I've ever looked. But it, it, from his neck down is like a very steep forty five degree angle. <laughs> yeah. 
anyway, it's good. Um, watch it if you haven't seen it. It's obviously a classic. Uh, I'm excited to see Top Gun Maverick, which I haven't gotten to yet, but that, that's why I watched this pretty much. Um, one I would recommend, though, is War of the Worlds, this 2005 movie, um, him mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg. This movie's good. Um, it's it's really good. I was scared off of it by my dad when I was growing up because he saw it. I wanted to see it. He saw it and he's like, ah, it's kind of grim. I was like, oh, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched it and my good, it, it is grim, but that's awesome. Uh, it's terrifying and shocking in ways that I didn't think that like a PG-13 movie from 2005 could be. It has so many parallels to, to 9-11 that I, I, I found like surprisingly effective um, you know, given 17 years later, uh, I think this one's really good. I would love to talk about it in depth someday. Uh, what do you guys think about World of Worlds? Yeah, it's actually really funny that you bring that movie particular up because uh, my brother, uh, my older brother has three kids and they're at an age, I think they're, the oldest one is almost a teenager and he's starting to try to introduce them to scary movies. And so they watched Signs <laughs> the other day and he, that was like a litmus test to see if they were like scared out of their pants or if they could handle it and they could handle it. So now he's trying to like one up that and war of the worlds was his next one. And they, mm-hmm. I think yeah. they just watched it today. Um, and he loved that. That came out when he was a teenager and he, um, I remember the day he came home from the theater and just told me every scene in detail <laughs> and how terrifying it was. And I couldn't wait to see it. And I, I, I loved it too. It's, it's been a movie I've loved for a long time. Hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah. I, I can't share you guys' love. I've never particularly liked it that much. I saw it in theaters no. with my dad, like years when it, whenever it came out. Um, I remember it being kind of grim and kind of, kind of scary, but like uh, that was kind of it for me. I remember it being like a pretty good introductory, like apocalyptic kind of, it's kind of a horror movie. Like they're being, they're being hunted yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Well, their, their blood is getting sucked out of them, you know, and sprayed on the fields. Like, oh, right. <laughs> it's been like years since I've seen this movie. I saw it once then. And then like a few years later, I watched it again. But like, I, yeah, I remember it being really scary at the time, but that's all I really remember about world of worlds. Oh, fair enough. But um, with my, with my daughter, uh, we watched two movies this, this Memorial day weekend. Um, we watched, I'll start with the good. No, 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 because Jesse actually, we're going to jump in on that with Jesse. I'm going to start with the bad. So we just we just finished Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Uh, oh, it was bad. I didn't care for it very much. Um, okay, let's break this down real quick. I love Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, the TV show from way back when. I watched it all the time. Chip and Dale. And my daughter's mm-hmm. been watching the, the TV show. I've been watching that with her. It's nonsensical. It's ridiculous. It's pretty dumb. Um, but I like that show a lot. I, I grew up with it. And this movie... So it comes from the, the Lonely Island, basically. <laughs> the Lonely Island is like, we're going to make a Chippendale. And what's funny about it is that it's not very Lonely Island. Uh, and that's a problem, number one. It's it's actually pretty grim. Um, it's mm. about, it's like a noir. It's like about the mm. seedy mm-hmm. underbelly mm-hmm. of show business in Los Angeles. Uh, and so in that way, it's too kind of dark for a kid's movie, especially like kids that are interested in Chippendale, which is, I would say, under eight. Um. It's too dark for that crowd, but for the crowd above them, it's, it's too kiddie. Uh, the jokes are not dirty enough. The jokes are not sly enough. Like there's some funny, good, weird adult jokes in here. There's obviously a joke about Chippendales, the, the male stripping, uh, place. (laughs) There's, there's one or two about that. What you're like, Oh, that's weird that that's in this movie. 
it's it's too jarring. It's not for the kids. It's not for the adults. I'm not really sure who it's for. And someone's going to come in and be like, well, my kids like that. Oh, I mean, good for you. My kids didn't. And I didn't particularly either. It's not something I would watch by myself, nor would I watch it again with my daughter, who is quite scared for a lot of it. Okay, it's like this. It's like a more kiddie version of uh, the uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. Um, and Roger Rabbit himself actually appears in the movie several times. Um, as do like the characters from South Park and Big Mouth. And like, it's amazing how many characters are in this. It's it's a huge roster. Like Toontown is alive. Uh Anyway, Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus, not a big fan, did not enjoy, and I would not recommend it. I would well, not. How many, how many stars out of five? Uh, I actually give it a, I give it two and a half because mm. the, it uses every animation style possible, often in the same frame, which I think is pretty cool. Like Gumby is a character. He's a, he's a police chief who's down, like pretty hard down on his luck. He's got a mustache and he's got like a, a tonsure, you know, he's balding pretty hard. <laughs> Um, so you got Gumby who's, you know, stop motion animation. And then you have Chip who is traditional 2d animated, then Dale who is CGI and they're in a real life background. So you already that's, that's four different filming styles in one frame. And sometimes they add in sock puppets and Muppets. And sometimes you have like some, some, some anime drawing. Uh, it's really crazy visual. Um, and I liked that about it. So two and a half because of that, but everything else, ah. Andy Samberg and John Mulaney are the two main voices. They're okay. Mm-hmm. They're just okay, which is sad to say because it's 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 Samberg and Mulaney. Like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it could have been great. Like, it could have yeah. been amazing. My wife and I were so excited to see it because we're like from the Lonely Island. Hell yeah! <laughs> but mm-hmm. no, no, yeah. yeah. Well, so. That, that, that's what uh, all I've been watching. That's uh, War of the Worlds and Top Gun and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And uh, maybe to pass this off to Jesse, we share this in common. Uh, and anyway, we share this with, in common with Dan, too. But, I mean, I just showed my daughter how to train your dragon and <clears throat> a near-perfect viewing experience for a child. Uh, how, how did your kids take this? I don't want to step on what you've been watching, Jesse, but. Yeah, we've, uh, we're doing How to Train Your Dragon series. Uh, just yesterday, we watched the second one. And like within the month, we've watched the first one too. Um, both the first and the second have been a big old hit. Like they're, uh, you know, they're riding dragons around. They got really involved with Hiccup's story. Um, you know, he's trying to figure out his place in life and he realized he can befriend a dragon. That's what they were really drawn to. The fact that you can befriend something that seems really big and scary turns out to basically be like a dog. It's, it's a dog that you can ride around that shoots flames and flies and is awesome in every single way. And just like, I, and I really enjoyed this too. Um, especially, you know, I've seen a lot of animated movies throughout the years. And this one in particular, the way that has the landscapes, especially the second one, like the way it opens up the second one. And there's like this, the water looks beautiful. <laughs> like <laughs> I've never seen better water in animation. Um, and it has a really, uh, crisp way of doing all the landscapes too that I, that I really enjoy and I really yeah I I'm really into this whole village and Hiccup trying to find his place in it. Uh, this, yeah, find his place in Burke and with Stoic his dad. Stoic the <laughs> boss. <laughs> I, I got to say this. Um, I so when I first watched these and actually, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna say that Not Your Father's Movies is going to cover How to Train Your Dragon sooner rather than later. And I'm going to save these memories 
that I have that I was I was so ready to share. I'm going to save them for when we do that because oh yeah, I think my my daughter had like a transformative experience watching this, and today all she had on her mind was. Can we watch the second one? Can we watch the TV show? Like, is there any way I can have more How to Train Your Dragon? And so I was like, no, we're going to watch Chippendale. She was like, mm. <laughs> Bummer for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and actually she was right. We should have just watched How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's all That's all I got. Take take it away, Jesse. Talk talk or, more. But Dan, wait, you've, you've shown both, all three of them to your kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I've shown all three multiple times. The, How to Train Your Dragon is my go-to if I can't think of something like quick that I want to watch with my kids. I'm always in to watch any three of these. I like the second and the third one more than the first, but um, yeah, I love these movies to death. I love the music in them. The visuals is what I end up, I think appreciating more every time I go back mm-hmm. is like, wow, gorgeous. That, that's just amazing. Like that one scene that could be my back, you know, the background on my desktop. And then the next scene is like, equally beautiful and amazing and breathtaking. And um, yeah. And the, the humor is mm-hmm. funny. It's pretty clever. It's not out of this world clever, but it's, it's really like it draws me in. And I, it's one of those where like, I'll sit there and put it on for my kids and I'll, you know, be doing something on my phone. And then I always end up just watching the movie <laughs> with them and enjoying it. Yeah. It's, um, it's solid and not stupid humor, which I really like. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just well-written. Like it's not too much this, too much that it's just like, that was a good joke, and that's why it's there. Yeah, you know, we didn't have to get crazy with it, um, and we don't have to beat it into the ground. It's like he made a joke, we move on, and I feel like that's that's really missing in some some of our comedic kid movie landscape. Um, yeah, I miss that. <laughs> yeah, so the humor is pretty good, and also like uh, it, it's it's a simple story, right? It's like a kid hiccup who who is a hiccup to the rest of the town. He's not really a Viking. He's weak and scrawny, and he just he can't. You just gestured. Out- all of me <laughs> to all of me whenever they're talking about like him and what, what to do with, with this gesture like, to all of me. Like, <laughs> it's really funny. Like every time it comes up, I, I laugh really hard, but also you understand the struggle really hard. Uh, like he's just trying to figure out how to fit in and he finds his spot. You know, that's kind of the classic tale. And that's the first one. And the second one is something completely different, but I also love, like sometimes in sequels, they they do the really stupid thing where they like go through everything they already went through, and that's there is some similarity in the second one. He's still trying to like, all right, like he's great, he's great as a dragon rider, and he's changed the whole town. But now what? Like what happens to him now? And then there are some logical steps for that, and there's still like some lingering rebellion that's there, mm-hmm. but that seems like it's all fully overcome at the end, and it's a completely different story. Nothing like the first one. Um, yeah, the, the, it's a coming of age for both because he's not an adult at the end of the first How to Train Your Dragon. You know, mm-hmm. he's just come into a role in the town. And yeah. the second one is more about almost like the embrace of of, of adulthood. Yeah, he's and I like that they, Yeah, he's 15 in the first one, 20 in the second one. So perfect. I've never seen the third one. So I'm wondering, is it going to be like he's having a kid? I haven't either. I'm really Hello. excited to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's 80 years old. It's okay. <laughs> End of your um, life crisis. <laughs> uh, I think I think we should say more about how to train your dragon for when we do the series. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, but the uh, the other one that I showed that was a huge hit was was Tarzan. My kids got really into this. Yeah. Um, first off, I, I haven't seen this movie in like in so many years, and I forgot how fast it moves. 
Like yeah. within the first two minutes of the movie, it establishes like two sets of parents. One kid dies. The parents die. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> the tragedy <laughs> instantly is like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they build a house in the jungle. <laughs> like all of this happens within one song before yeah. the song's over. Halfway through the song, this is all, <laughs> this is all that's occurred. And like, yeah, it just moves so fast and there's immediate tension because uh, the leopard, I can't remember what its name is, after the baby and then the the ape is trying to save it. But they like, you know, the kids got really into like, uh, you know, the baby and how cute it was and the gorillas, they, re- they really like understood what was going on and understood that there was, a, I don't know, a, a, a difference in species that was... <laughs> That, that made like an outcast of this person. Yeah. But like when he raises up, like, do you remember that scene where he kills the, the leopard? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then he climbs out of the pit, lifts it over the shoulders. And for the first time you hear the Tarzan scream or whatever. They love that. They, they've been doing that throughout the house for a while. It's been kind of annoying. But I, that I like was that animation. Oh, that yeah. animation is because he's so he's so lanky and kind of ropey, right? Mm-hmm. And then the the dead leopard is it, it looks dead, like it, yeah. it looks like with completely without life. And when he lifts it up in his ropey arms and above him, oh! yeah. And then the That's, camera is like it's doing a three sixty, looking up yeah. at him. It's the most triumphant pose I've ever seen in animation before, ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then like I also realized this is a really good introduction to superhero movies because oh. this is. This is a superhero movie. This is the template for MCU. It's really funny, but it's this guy who's like kind of got special powers compared to everybody else around him, right? He's able to Heck use yeah. his uh he's able to make spears and figure out problems. He's really able to problem solve. He he can grip the vines that he's swinging on like between his butt cheeks. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and then so uh he's able to do the things that the humans can't, able to do things that the gorillas can't, and he's like the the superhero compared to both of them. Mm. Yeah. And uh the son of man. Yeah, trying to find his place between the two. Also, the soundtrack. I'm surprised that we don't get more soundtracks of just like one artist coming up with all the songs to, for incredible montages ever mm-hmm. since this yeah. movie's come out because it really works. Dude, dude, between Son of Man um, and then what's the other really big one in this one? Uh, the first one, the Two Worlds one, or the You'll Be in My Heart, or that's the, the one. You'll Be in yeah. My Heart. Okay, yeah. so so Phil Collins between this and Tarzan, between Tarzan and, and Brother Bear. Um, he, I, I now, there's now two kids movies where I'm guaranteed to tear up because the music is so extra. It's just so much. Yeah. It's like, it's like kids movies. Like, I think Joe made this point on, uh, on our, our, um, the one that just came out casino, casino uh, yeah. where he's like, why are kids movies so sad? I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching Tarzan. I'm like, why are kids movies so full of emotion? I'm an adult man and I cannot process this amount of emotion. <laughs> yeah. Like when. When uh, his gorilla mother, Kala, is, like, crying because he's about to leave and go be a man, she's finally showed him, like, his father's clothes and stuff. And she's like, you'll always be my mother. It's just, man, it makes me tear up a little bit. Mm. Even though it actually looks kind of weird the way it's, it's you know, it's a gorilla and a man. <laughs> like, it just looks bizarre. But, like, that, that emotion shines through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it I, works. I think this movie was revolutionary with the way it did the animation too it did like all of the trees and the vines and everything were all cgi and then they did the 2d animation on top of it and i watched a whole video that explained like it allowed the artists to be way more dynamic with the background Mm. and uh with how he swung in the you know between the branches and everything because they could basically take a camera 
in the CGI world and have it move exactly how they want it to. And then just put Tarzan in it. Like, Oh, that's so cool. It gave them a lot of freedom that they, they usually don't have with how the background looks in every scene. Usually the background's like an afterthought. And in this scene, in this movie, it was like, they could just do anything they wanted with these trees and these jungle, you know, environments. And it was, it really comes through with how dynamic the movie is. Like you were saying where it just moves and Mm -hmm. it feels like it's every scene is like really energetic and really great. Yeah. Huge fan of that. Um, I would talk about what I've been watching, but I think we're going to save that for a discussion after, after Dan, after you tell us what movies and movies with your kids. So, what what are we listening to? What was that? That was my wife putting on music for my kids. Aww, <laughs> a oh, little, nice. A little window into our nightly routine. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that was too. All right, I thought, I thought Vita was like playing with the soundboard or something. And like, I'm, I'm, no, I might. I mean, I got, I got never going to give you up on the soundboard. I could just play that. I don't. Oh uh, no, <laughs> uh, Dan, what do you be? What do you been watching? And watching Real quick, uh, no, I, uh, I've been trying to. Nice. <laughs> uh, somebody take the mouse away from Vito. Um, yeah. No. So I've been watching some classics that I I didn't have growing up. Um, two of which. So one is Contact. Um, I've heard Contact oh. referenced all over the place. Uh, specifically, there was a a video I watched on YouTube that was talking about like impossible scenes to film. Where oh, is this about the mirror shot? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it it was all about that mirror shot that like, even just the idea of filming a shot with a mirror in it is like a huge feat, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, how do, how do you not show the camera in the shot where there's the direct reflection and, and it went over all the different, you know, like strategies and ways they, they fake it or they use CGI to fix it and all this stuff. And the, it was kind of funny in the video, they basically were like, and we still don't know how they did contact the scene in this is so perfect. It's, it's a scene where this, this little girl, her father uh, starts to have a heart attack and it's like this slow motion running one shot where she, she starts at the base of the stairs. She's running up the stairs and the camera is like, you know, faced at her. She's faced at the camera and the camera is, you know, pulling back, through the through up the stairs and then through the uh, the hallway and she's running at the camera in slow motion and then right as she's reaching the bathroom where she's going to get the medication for her father you the camera basically shows that it was all in the reflection of the mirror so she reaches out towards to grab the the medication and you think she's reaching towards the camera towards the mirror but then you see that actually the camera is pointed at the mirror and, she opens and up you the... see the reflection uh, and it insane. opens towards the camera. And it's like, the, it like totally messes with your mind. <laughs> I watched this scene probably 10 times and I know that it's just like, like really good cutting and like, you know, it, I, I, I get now how they did it. I still don't know how they did it though. Like it looks, yeah. it looks so good. And it's Some, so... someone can tell you like, can tell you, oh yeah, it was this and this and this. But then like the thing about Robert Zemeckis is that he is so about the invisible trick, but it's so invisible that you just stop immediately. Like, what was that? How did we do that? (laughs) But he's a master at that. He's been doing that his whole career. And that's that one. Wait, what did you think of the movie overall though? Because I have have pretty mixed feelings about Contact. 
I liked it overall. I enjoyed it. Um, it it definitely might feel slow on the second or third rewatch. I'm not sure yet. Um, it felt kind of slow the first time around, and I'm a little worried now that I know the main beats of the plot that it'll feel slower the next time. But I don't know. It if maybe if I'm in the mood for this kind of a like extraterrestrial, you know, uh, encounters of a third kind kind of movie. And I also want something with some good drama in it. And the acting is great. I, Matthew McConaughey was a little bit, I think miscast, yeah. but maybe that's just me. Like, cause I know I, him. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Is a little, like it was a little strange to see him in this role. Um, maybe at the time he hadn't, like fully developed his repertoire and his reputation. Um, so it, may, it maybe made more sense, but now that I know who he is as, as an actor, it was a very odd role for him. Um, but overall, I liked it. I, I, I don't really have anything negative to say besides kind of the slowness and then Matthew McConaughey's casting. What about you, Vito? What's, what's your, I, it's that primarily. I don't know if he and Jodie Foster have all that much chemistry. Um, but and I do remember it being slow. I think it. I think it has good drama though. Um, yeah. I, I I could see, I could see coming back to it. I'd like to come back to it. Yeah. Uh, another uh, classic that I watched recently is Gremlins. Um, I I've said this before that I struggle with movies that feel very like eighties, um, and this felt very eighties. I. Did not enjoy it. I'm going to say it out loud. Um, I I think that if I had grown up with it, it would have a lot more nostalgia to it and that I could see myself liking it. I could see myself like, oh, I can't wait for this part. It's coming up. It's going to be hilarious. And then there it is. And it's funny. And I remember laughing at it 20 times in my lifetime. But I don't. I just I could not get behind it. I could not appreciate it. I tried to. Are, are you are you specifically not looking at the, at the window right now? I Cause... you're not there, Vito. You're not there. I'm just talking <laughs> to the microphone. Jesse, what's your opinion? <laughs> it's been so long. I've never really cared for Gremlins. Thank you. What? All right, what's the next? What? Are we doing? Uh, ah, next? Wait, wait. <laughs> I love Gremlins. I love Gremlins so much, and it made me so mad when I saw Letterbox. You didn't like it because my wife doesn't like it. Jesse doesn't like it. Mike doesn't care. There's no one in my life that yeah. likes Gremlins, and I love I, Gremlins so much. I'm with Mike. It's just I, I don't care. Um, but wait, but you said you don't like movies from the '80s. What is? What about Top Gun? So where does that leave Top Gun? Okay, I've never seen Top Gun. You've never been to the Danger Zone? I don't know what it is. <laughs> danger Zone. Ah, it's, it's so sad. And I and I was told the same thing about Top Gun that like I, I was to, I was told by somebody that saw the new one. They're like, you have to see the new one. And if you haven't seen the first one, you need to watch it. You're probably not going to like it as much as everybody else because so much of it is the nostalgia factor. Yeah. But like, I don't. I don't think of the nostalgia factor as something negative. I think that just it's inevitable. It's like whatever you grew up with is always going to have a special place in your heart. And that's totally human and fine. And it doesn't mean that like the movie doesn't have a good quality in it. It just means that maybe some of the, some of the warm and fuzzies are, you know, attached to a time and place and yeah. not in the movie. I, itself. I rented gremlins from the local library. I was like 13 and man, it blew my mind. It was so, ah, uh, 
I don't know. I'll just do a solo pod on Gremlins on Halloween. You should. You should. You should have some, you know, some Muppets around, some Gremlin Muppets, and you 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 just do it. Mogwai! Um, Mogwai! Dan, what have you been showing your kids? Um, So recently, so my wife uh, introduced me when we were dating to Studio Ghibli. I did not grow up with it. And I never really watched any anime for that matter. And they spirited away people. Yes. So they got spirited away. They did uh, Nausicaa. They did Howl's Moving Castle. Castle. Yeah. Um, Princess Mononoke. Yeah. It's, it's a list of like, because, because it's Studio Ghibli is, yeah. Studio Ghibli is is from uh, the uh, creator Hayao Miyazaki. Um, and that that's his studio. And so they do put out stuff that's not Miyazaki, but he's usually either in the story or producing. Like, it's really like one man's creative brainchild, which I think is, is gorgeous. Yeah. And I have not watched one that I did not at least like a lot. I, I love most of them. Um, I haven't seen all of them. I've, I've probably seen about two thirds of them, but they're all just beautiful. And the thing I, I think I always connect with it is that he is a world builder. Like he, he puts you into a world that is so unique. It's so like fleshed out and has history and myth and uh, like humor and Mm -hmm. like characters that are so unique. Like everything about it is a creative masterwork. And, and they're also not connected. Like they're like, that's, what's amazing is, most creators, right. They like, they create a franchise and they kind of like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to put Easter eggs of each other in them. He's just like, no, every single one of them is almost purely original and, and, and just brilliant. And um, so I've recently started showing some of those to my kids. Um, Some of them are a bit too intense. And I found that with how's moving castle. Um, We got like 10 minutes into it. And my son was like, Nah, this is creeping me out. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was funny though. The next day, I had like a, I had like a couple hours just with my daughter, who, who's younger than my son, mm-hmm. and she asked me. She's like, "Dad, can we watch the movie with the the, the scary black men?" <laughs> and those are like these spirits that like float around and are pretty creepy. <laughs> okay. And she's like, "Can we watch that one?" And I was like, "Yeah, if you if you want to watch it, like, are you gonna?" I was like, "Are you gonna be scared?" No, I'll I'll be fine. Can we watch it? I was like, sure. So we we watched Howl's Moving Castle all the way through, and she, and I kept like checking in, like, are you okay? Is this too scary? And she's like, no, it's fine. So wow. I, I don't know. I don't know if she was just like she knew that I wanted to watch it, or maybe she really dug it, and she's she has like thicker skin than my son, at least at this age. I don't know if it's gonna gonna last, but um, my, my neighbor Totoro is a classic in in my house. Um, I, I can't wait to do more Studio Ghibli. In fact, like I'd actually like to highlight Hiyami Miyazaki at some point. Um, oh, I read yeah. a great quote that I want to share right here. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. This was uh, uh, tweeted by Keaton Patty. Um, quote, when dubbing the English version of My Neighbor Totoro, the film's executives originally planned on changing Totoro's name to one considered more American. Several new titles were considered, including My Neighbor Craig, My Neighbor <laughs> Kyle, My, na- my Neighbor Joe Toro. <laughs> Totoro's first name would be Joe and his last name would be Toro. It would also be implied that he was from Cleveland and my neighbor, uncle Sam. Eventually director (laughs) Hayao Miyazaki kept the name Totoro quote from Hayao Miyazaki. I could not name him Craig 
because I would not want to be named Craig. <laughs> I just, I love that. My neighbor, Craig. <laughs> and like, Craig is a fine name. If you're out there and your name is Craig, you got a fine name, dude. But like, Totoro and your, your Craig. Name, your name should not be the title of a movie. Yeah. No. Not I just, this like, movie. I like, my neighbor, Joe Toro. <laughs> My neighbor Totoro, yeah. Yeah, Totoro, Joe Totoro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad they're um, loving it. I can't wait to show my daughter more more uh, Ghibli. Yeah, you need to have movie night doing something because uh, like a double feature or something because I have not seen anything except Spirited Away. Mm. Um, That's a weird one. But we should, should talk about so, some movies that all of us had seen and it's the only movies of the month that, that I had seen. Uh, both in theaters, uh, that is The Northman and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. Um, everything Everywhere All at Once, Dan, you and I saw together and with Friend of the Pod Letney, too. And uh, yeah, we all really liked it. I was kind of blown away by it. I was not anticipating, like, I, I knew it would be a little bit of a family drama. I didn't realize that would be, like, the central plot point, right? The, the idea is that the daughter is is a lesbian and the mother doesn't know how to deal with that. She's like very culturally uh, is, it, is it conservative. Yeah, yeah. But more. Yeah. Okay. She's culturally conservative and doesn't know how to bring her, her grandfather. Who's like, do you know, I don't, I can't remember what country they're from. I don't either. It, uh, they, it, it is of, of, of some Asian descent. I wasn't paying enough attention also because this movie throws also, 9 billion details at you a second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we also came in like a few minutes late, uh, but yeah, they own a laundromat and they're struggling and she doesn't know how to relate to her daughter. Um, and it turns out there's this whole multiverse and her daughter's the, well, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I know Jesse, that's a boy Jesse, spoilers, but, but basically I. What, what if what? I, I'm going to start the okay. timer one minute. All right. In one minute, just talk about anything you want to talk about, about everything, everywhere, all at once. All right. Fine, I, I'm going to do that. It reminded me of uh, when I first watched The Matrix. Right. And, you know, that office scene where they're being hunted by by other people. Um, there was a little bit of that. The action was really intense and it felt new. Uh, the rules felt invigorating and exciting. And I I felt something in this movie that I haven't felt and something I've been like struggling with or like been going through. Uh, at the end of this movie, which is basically that, you know, uh, no matter what, just, just, I guess just so a human being is just worth loving. Mm. Even in the worst of all circumstances, even yeah. in the worst of all universes, they're just worth loving. And that was, that was kind of beautiful. Uh, that hit, that hit home pretty hard. Yeah. what do you think, Dan? Yeah. I, I loved almost everything about this. I, I do think I've been kind of almost preparing for this movie from my love of Rick and Morty, which <laughs> yeah. is a weird connection to make. But a lot of people have made that connection that it's like a Rick and Morty episode where it's very meta. It's very, you know, obnoxious, but also, you know, genuine and like it hits you in, in the heart when you don't expect it. And mm-hmm. it um, it plays around with a lot of the ridiculous paired with the profound paired with like meta humor and everything's yeah. Everything's everywhere all at once. Like it's, it does feel that way. It is like a huge mixed bag. And I, I love the, the masterfulness of the camera work. I love the acting. 
I, I, I just, I knew that this is a movie I'm going to come back to multiple times for the laughs, but also for the, um, kind of the, the heartfelt parts of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, what about you, Vito? What was your, what's your opinion of it? Um, so I, I came to this, I saved it so I could watch it with my wife and I, um, we were able to get it on VOD and, uh, man, um, I liked it. <clears throat> I did like it a lot. I feel like it's something I'm gonna have to watch again. And that is actually kind of the problem for me is that I feel that the amount of content inside of this is not only so dense as to be challenging, but also the length of it is challenging as well. I mean, this is a two hour, 20 minute movie and it is moving at a hundred miles an hour at all times. And that's, that's hard. Um, it's a hard ask, especially, you know, I got a, I got a seven month old in the house that does not leave us alone for two hours and 20 minutes at a stretch. <laughs> uh, I know this movie's going to be interrupted at some point. Um, I was touched at numerous points, like touched really deeply. There's a, there's a point in the movie that is completely dialogueless between two things that can't talk, but they do talk. And that that's some of the most touched I've been all year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to come out and say this. It's just two rocks, two rocks on the mountainside. And with googly eyes. Yeah. And, and text is on the screen. Uh -huh. Right. And like for a movie that's moving like a thousand miles a minute, it still feels like it's moving really fast, but like it stops. And suddenly like I found, I found more like human humanness and emotion in these people than yeah. when they were people as yes. opposed to when they're rocks. It, it's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I really did not like the daughter until that rock exchange. Um, that's what turned it around for me. So I, I like this movie a good amount. Um, I find it exhausting and I find it to be something that maybe in three to five years when I come back to it, I think I'll definitely find more. Um, but I do admire it a lot. I think that it's an ex extremely well-made and very funny. And my hesitancy should not put anyone off. This is a recommend. You need to see this. You need to see this movie. Whoever's listening to this, go watch this movie. You've never seen anything like it in your life. That's very, yeah. it lives up to its title. There are moments where it truly feels like everything is happening everywhere all at once. And it is overwhelming and you don't know what to feel. And the movie is like, the movie doesn't even know what to feel. It's just like, here's a bunch of things coming at you every at the same time. Uh, you got hot dog fingers. Also, it's a Wong Kar Wai movie. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, maybe we should move on from this because maybe it'll be a whole episode. I think point. it could be. I think it yeah. could be. And I think that this next one also could be. Um, I'm going to keep our standard here. And I'd like to I'd like to open the talk on this next movie. If that's OK. Sure. Please. Um, because I went to go see this next movie, uh, The Northman. I went to go see this with Mike. It's a bummer you can't be here tonight because I know he had a lot to say about it. But um, he we walked out of this and I thought, I don't know why they thought that they would ever make their money back from 90 million dollars off this movie. <laughs> Like this should be looked at as an endowment for the arts. And I really think that's the case. This is something that was made to exist. I don't know if people are supposed to like it. I don't think it cares. Um, but I also think, and I, so by that, I think it's a, it's a grand epic. It's fantastic in scope and scale. And it's doing something I think it's really unique in that it's introducing a whole new morality, an ancient morality to new times um, in a way that's unapologetic and is not bothering to explain anything about itself. And I think that, is actually the biggest problem of it. I was talking with a good friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Brett, uh, who also saw it. And I think the problem with the morality of this movie is that it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough into the Vikingness. It doesn't have a, an interesting question that an answer could be provided to. Um, there's not a lot to talk about from the outcome of the movie. 
it's like the movie exists and it's over. Um, and that's my timer. That's, um, that's what I got to say. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a pretty good way of phrasing the Northmen. Like it's, it's very pagan. It's taken their religion and their morals, uh, which are very brutal. Like you want to die in battle. So people uh, and the main character has joined a gang where they go like pillage and rape and burn down houses full of people. Like this is our protagonist. Um, but you can kind of get behind it because it's the same simple Hamlet story, right? This is based off of the same myth that Hamlet was based off of. His name is Hamlet and he's about, he's, he wants to go avenge his father or so, uh, yeah, by killing his uncle who is married to his mom. Uh, same classic tale. So you can get behind it in that way, but yeah, it is very unapologetically pagan uh, with Norse, Norse morality of just wanting to go murder and die. Uh, dying a bloodbath, basically. And yeah, I guess it doesn't have anything to say about it. Instead, it's just showing it. It's like, here is something that is very foreign to anything that we have right now. Um, and that was, yeah, it was shocking. And I, I, oh, there was a really good quote about it, but it, the director did say something like, he just wants to like look into histories and show it as it is so that way we can look at our lives through that. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think that's what I most appreciated about it is. Do you want, do you want your minute, Dan? I want, yeah. Minute 10, right. maybe. I got a minute okay. 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love things that are trying to be like, like genuine, like themselves outside of our current context or our current, you know, uh, feelings or our current you know whatever agendas and everything's politicized nowadays and probably always has been and you know everyone's always caught up in the opinions and the 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 debates and and i feel like this director is just like i'm gonna make a movie that could have been made a hundred years ago or a million years ago or a million years in the future and it's just about a time period yeah and i i kind of love that about it that it's it's it feels almost like it's a book that you picked up that was written in like the 1400s, mm-hmm. but it's a movie and where it just feels like it was made in a different time period. And that is so cool to me. I I don't know that it's a movie that like, I'm, I'm probably not going to recommend it to people that, I mean, I recommend it to anybody listening to the pod, of course, but it's, it's brutal and it, it's very, very, it's a downer yeah. and it's like, it's very barbaric and it's very foreign, but I I love movies like this. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I love this stuff. I love having this movie in my like back pocket to pull out yeah. when I'm in the mood for a weird pagan flick. Um, you did you did you did good. That was like a minute fifteen, but you did good. <laughs> you packed a lot in there. Yeah. Real quick, in terms of like if we're recommending this to people, like you should be aware it's incredibly violent, it's bloody, people are acting like dogs in pagan ceremonies it's it's kind of creepy there's a fight with a ghost at one point many uh, children and women die and mil- yes. yeah yeah um it's very upsetting it's very gruesome yeah 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 so it i, I also say it's it's a recommend uh i i recommend this movie it's rough to get through yeah but it's also unlike anything just like everything everywhere all at once uh this is the power of cinema uh it's something yeah. that you've never seen and it's worth it if you're if you're interested in a slice of history, it's he he said he wanted to make the uh, quintessential Viking movie, and I think he's done that. Yet. He did it. Yeah, he did it. yeah. 
done. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we'll talk about that one too. I'm not sure, but I'd love to get deep into it. Um, let's see. I, I think going from here again, this is, this is new for us. We're wading into new waters. I'm just going to talk a little bit about TV. Cause I think I have the least amount to talk about TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big TV guy. Anyone who listens to the show knows, uh, I do try sometimes, but the, the sheer time commitment kills me. So of course what I did was I tried to watch the, the new season of stranger things where each episode is like an hour 20. <laughs> Um, it's a movie. There's gonna be 10 movies for Stranger Things, which pisses me off because they don't need to be this long. Um, this new season, it's everything you wanted from Stranger Things. That's the thing. That's, that's the problem with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Really. It's, it's still Stranger Things. Um, it's everything you have come to expect. It's still moving a million miles an hour. There's still so much information and style and musical cues. They want to drop in here. Um, they're old though. Them kids is old. <laughs> Them kids is not yeah. kids anymore. They're not uh, high school old. They're older than high school. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some 18 year olds that look like this. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's Stranger Things is back. It's not winning any new fans in its fourth season. Uh, you either like it or you don't. Um, I have liked this show since the beginning, and I think it's gotten a little bit too big for its britches. I, I think that this show should have been kept small and should have been kept mean and quiet. And instead, it's become the biggest thing in TV um, in the last 10 years. And that that kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, I don't recommend doing this. I'm not even sure if I'm going to finish it. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting to yeah. watch an episode of TV that's as long as a movie. And, there, and for that to just be the first episode of a season. That's crazy. Stop it. <laughs> Get an editor. Confession to make. I didn't know the new season of Stranger Things was even out until you just mentioned it. Uh, that's shocking to me. <laughs> Jeez, it's the address uh, well, uh, of your rock, Jesse. You know it's, what? It's, yeah, I, I see that they were part one. I, I knew that they were making another season. I thought it was going to come out in the summer. I was like, oh, that's what I'll watch in the summer. Now I'm like, oh, man, now I have to go back and watch an hour twenty minute episode. <laughs> I'm really pissed about that right now. Well, Jesse, really Jesse, mad. this this is the first half of the fourth season. The second half of the fourth season is going to be out in the summer. Oh, for real? This isn't the whole thing. No. Oh wow! They're releasing it like they do Harry Potter. Why? That's such a stupid method. It's like it's like five or six episodes. Each one's between an hour ten and an hour twenty, and then the second half of the season is coming out in July. I, I think. You know what? I think it comes from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is the first season of a show to to do that that I know of, where it's like season yeah. five. We're doing parts like one and two. Parts <laughs> one and two, but it's really just another season. There's really six seasons because that came out a year later. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is this is giving you like two months. Yeah, you got two months to watch the six hours the, to watch the six movies. <laughs> yeah, and it really well, felt like at the time, like, oh, they're just doing this because they have to do twelve episodes and they want to do and they want to take their time with it. But like, there's no excuse for any other show to do it. Yeah, well, it's it's all money, right? Like, they want the finale. It's always and they get a second finale <laughs> if they do a mid season finale. Right. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah. I mean, if a movie, if a show is good, go for it. Like I, I'm willing to, that's kind of one thing I wanted to bring up about TV shows. So I, I've been watching, uh, I got caught up on better call Saul. I'm, uh, I'm up to the middle of the sixth season now and I'm, I have to wait till August, I think, or July when they start releasing the, the rest of the seventh uh, or the, the sixth season. Stupid. And I, like I used to be a really big TV guy back when I was single 
Um, I was the type that would like, I would binge watch on a weekend and get through, you know, a season or two of 24 or get through a season or two of prison break and mm-hmm. lost. And like, I watched all those in, in high school. And then, you know, when I was a, a, a bachelor and I've found that more recently, because my time is so much less than it was, um, I have so many more responsibilities and I just like, I don't have the attention that I used to, like, I used to be able to watch a whole season of Smallville and just like eat popcorn the whole time and enjoy it. I can't do that with like these, like these mini arc shows anymore where every episode is like a little self-contained story and it's fun. Um, it just just makes me so tired, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's yeah, it is exhausting. Like, yeah. And so I have found solace in shows that I think are like making the best of my time. And in my opinion, better call Saul is, is that show. It Mm. is like every scene is so well-crafted every, even just the side character that is in the show for five minutes has more like writing uh, potential and, has more backstory and like humor and everything in them than other shows protagonists. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like better call Saul makes my time worth it when I'm watching it. And I, I love that about it. And it's, it's how I feel about Fargo. I'm just going to throw that out there that I love mm-hmm. Fargo. The show is mm-hmm. I think a masterwork and um, I'm finding that I look for those shows that I, I know when I turn it on, I will be, like brought into this world and I'm going to enjoy the time and the characters and the writing. Sure. And, and, and better call Saul is the one I, I just, yeah, I, I would, I would love to talk more about it, but I'll, I'll ask and you. So, someday we are going to do not your father's TV shows. That is going to be something that happens. Um, and I think that Fargo is, is up there in terms of shows that are going to be covered. Uh, soonest. Oh, yeah. oh mm-hmm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if, yeah. if you guys, if, audience listening, if you want not your father's TV shows, like let us know. Like, we, if you want us to prioritize it. that, we'll do it. Like, there's a ton of shows that I love, ton of shows that Dan and Jesse and like Dan and Jesse and Mike are really the TV guys that they are watching TV and they got shows. The shows that I'm like, I don't know. I saw one episode. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but they love it. And I'm sure all of you out there listening love those shows too. So mm-hmm. let us know, please. Yeah. We, I, I do watch a lot of shows. I haven't didn't a lot last year, but I've getting, gotten back into them this year, um, particularly with Severance. Finished Severance this month. My goodness. Uh, do you remember, like, to anybody out there who's ever watched Lost and remembers the season finale of Lost and you had all those questions like, what are the numbers? What's in the hatch? Who are the others? What's the island? Are they ever going to get off the island? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're just like filled with questions. And that is exactly how I feel about severance and this season finale. I've never been so full of questions, but also like you get some answers, some like, but every answer just leads to something even bigger. It's like, that is mind blowing. Show me more. I want more right now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm filled with these sorts of questions at, at the end of this movie or show, like, you know, what's down below. What's with the goats. What's up with waffle parties? Like, I don't, (laughs) it's very weird. Like it's, uh, this this show is very much in some ways like, uh, an office sitcom. In fact, the characters that, so 
even though it, let me back up. The premise of the show is that people sign up to work for a company, and when they go in the elevator, they forget all about their lives. And they basically become another person who only ever exists to work. So two, like one body, two lives that they're living. And the lives don't understand what the other one is doing. So they talk about their innies versus their outies. The innies are in the office. The outies are out living their lives. And uh, there's there's a company and those outside, they don't know what what their own selves are doing. And uh, they don't know anything about the company really. But even the innies don't really know what they're doing. And so there's just like mystery upon mystery here. And it's really engaging. It's funny. It's also really dark. It's contemplating suicide and murder a little bit. And then a bunch of other things that are like, it It becomes pretty heavy, but it's so full of mystery. And it has promised to show lots of stuff, unlike unlike Lost, or at least what Lost failed to do. Um, <laughs> so I've got a lot of hope for this. It ends on a cliffhanger that's really massive. So if you want to wait till the second season now, that's fine. It's on Apple Plus if you want to check that out. Highly recommend. And uh, I'd like to join in here. I will eventually be on the Severance uh, train. I will. I promise. Um, but I started out on another train, and I haven't kept up with it, although I see Jesse has, is I did see the first episode of Under the Banner of Heaven. Mm. Um, horrifying. I was horrified. I've read the. I, I've read parts of the John Krakauer uh, nonfiction book um, that this is based on. And I know the events that occurred and who did it and all that. Um, I find that I found at least the first episode of the show to be really good and quite upsetting. Uh, Jesse, how how has the rest of the show been going? Um, just real quick recap. This is about in in Utah. This is a a real crime case, a murder of of a woman and her fifteen month old daughter. Um, and it and there's a bunch of uh, Latter Day Saints around, right? Um, so at first I thought this was just going to be like a murder mystery with like Latter-day Saint dressing around. And that's not at all what this is. What this is, is a murder mystery trying to show that Mormonism at its core is bad. <laughs> it it, it, it starts out with, yeah. with kind of a, it, it, I'd hate to say it has an ax to grind. I it think does. what it's trying to show is that the facts bear out an interpretation that is that condemns um, a large portion of Mormonism. That's what it's, the show is trying to argue. And well, the way uh, the the way the show has evolved from episode to episode, like it keeps like the main character starts like losing his faith and starts realizing that everything that he's ever believed in is a lie, sort of thing. And it's about kind of, it's the it's led by Andrew Garfield, and Andrew Garfield slowly like being separated from everybody and everything that he's ever believed in or everything that he's loved and every, you know, the whole community that is part of how hard this is. And I haven't seen the last episode. It's not out as of this recording. It comes out on Thursday. Um, So I I don't know how the season finale ends, but right now it really seems like, yeah, it's got an ax to grind. It's out to show that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were bad dudes. (laughs) And that's not even like necessarily new information. It's Um, yeah. I just, but this is hard. Yeah. A show like this is so hard because I, I personally know a lot of, of really good folks who are mm-hmm. LDS yeah. uh, and, and they're, they're good people who, who, who are genuinely doing the right thing. And so with a show like this, I always, I always kind of don't know what to do with it. You know, um, it scares me. It's informative. How much can I agree with it? Like, it seems so one, so, so one-sided. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I need to watch more. 
I've uh, I've seen a lot of shows that try to show an organization is bad or or religion is evil, but I've never seen a show like this, like really try to say from its core this is bad. Like, oh, yeah. So it's pretty and it's aggressive. Like, it, yeah, because you know, it's based I, I, like I it's based off nonfiction reporting by John Krakauer, like who's gotcha. who's a decorated reporter. Yeah, and it's trying to say that this fundamental thing, which is like God talking to individual people, namely Latter-day Saints, can just easily be manipulated and is wrong at its core because it gives people the authority to say and do whatever they want to give and manipulate others. Gotcha. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I, um, I've i heard this is like you guys are, I think, the fourth and fifth person to to talk about it. So I definitely want to check it out. I. Yeah, it does. It also does work as like a crime mystery. You do get sucked into uh, the family in particular. One thing that I don't like about this movie or sorry, show is that it intersplices a bunch of different scenes, like from the past and, you know, other scenes in the episode. Like it goes back to Joseph Smith and then it'll be intersplices. Yeah, I did not like that. <laughs> there, there's this five minute segment in one episode where it just keeps doing that. I can't tell what's going on. And that was really frustrating in mm-hmm. a fit. It, it's always doing it throughout the episodes and it's kind of annoying. Um, but besides that, it, it's, it's an engaging show. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. The first episode is just as rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we are running out of time. I'm going to ask you gentlemen, you can each, we can all each of us share one thing that we want to, to share. Um, mm. I'm going to share, uh, you know, I'm just going to share some music, music recommendations. We don't talk about this a lot. I want to share three songs. Um, Rejoice by AJJ, Heaven by Talking Heads, and Circles by Mac Miller. These are three songs that I've been listening to a lot this last week. Um, I, I've been I've been loving them. They've been suiting every one of my moods. I've been driving to them. I've been working to them. Um, they are just kind of in my rotation right now. So again, that's Rejoice by AJJ, Heaven by Talking Heads, and Circles by Mac Miller. Get, check them out. See if you like them. I, I try and listen to a lot of different kinds of music and. It just helps lift my day, especially now with this new job that I have. I can listen to a lot more. I have a lot more freedom to kind of just put something on and and do something else with my time. And mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying that welcoming music back into my life. It's been gone for for a really long time, and it used to be probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time we do one of these episodes, I want to drop those. Um, that's my music mm-hmm. recommendations. It's the last thing I wanted to share with everybody. That, that's great. I. I wish I listened to music like I used to now that I work from home. Mostly I don't have that commute that I used to, that I used to listen to music that I was into. Um, but I, I am going back in the office now occasionally. So maybe I'll, I'll put these in a playlist and, and listen to them on my next commute and uh, give you my, my honest opinion. Break them down, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but the one thing I'll share is uh, so I, I've been playing, there's a a video game that was recommended to me called, um, it's called Vampire Survivors. And it, um, it won some awards recently. I think it was like top rated Hmm. on some maybe steam list or something. I don't actually know what it won or if it, what exactly it, it did, but it's really fun. It's like a, um, it's like an RPG where you're running around and you like level up and you, you get, you know, like coins and you level up pretty quickly. And it's just like a, a mob, you know, uh, waves coming in, like attacking you. And you're just trying to fend off and like kill everything that's in your way. And it's just like survival. 
right? Just survival for as long as you can. And if you survive for like 10 minutes, that's a huge deal. Um, what I like is that it's like quick, you die quick, you restart quick. And it's kind of like, I can play it as little or as much as I want. Mm. And with how little time I have, usually it's like, I can play 10 minutes here. And that's, that's a big deal for me. And I, and I, I've been enjoying it. I definitely recommend it. Um, I think it's like three bucks on steam. So okay. super say, low. Say, say the title again. It's a uh, vampire survivors, vampire survivors. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at pictures and it's like, uh, yeah, it's like this over top uh, view and every so, so picture is, a, is sur- you're surrounded by bad guys, literally surrounded. Yeah. In the it, sea. It's amazing. It's pretty that's, simple. That's cool. it, it's pretty, it's very simple, but it's just, it draws you in and it, it's fun. It's a yeah. really fun, like, five to 20 minutes. Sure. And, and that's, that's what I like about it. Nice. Awesome. Um, so I, I guess I've got one last recommend before we go. Um, so I'm like, I'm like Vito has been listening to a lot of music. I've taken to listening to books while I work. And uh, one of those that I stumbled upon, it, it turned out to be a, a real diamond was uh, the big picture, the fight for the future of movies by Ben Fritz. Ben Fritz is uh, he's worked for, uh, the LA Times, uh, I think Vanity and the Wall Street Journal as like their Hollywood correspondent. Um, and so he's like really familiar with the inner structure of Hollywood. And uh, when, if you guys remember when the Sony hacks happened and all of Sony's emails were released, he read all of them. Holy so he, shit. That's so many. Exactly. So he was a guy who like, who was, you know, breaking the story and like, like writing up summaries of what he learned from his and it's all been compiled in a book. So it's about like what's been happening with studios in part- So this is called the big picture, right? So it's about movie studios in general, what their trends are, what they, what their strategy is, what their game plan, their business plan is when it comes to making movies, uh, why it's changed over the course of the past 20 years or so looking at like the very late nineties up to the mid 2010s. Um, because the book was, came out in like 2016 or so. Um, and then the rise of Netflix, the rise of Marvel Studios, the rise and the, how Disney changed and also how there's this whole chapter dedicated to like creative people trying to figure out like in this new franchise environment, how to still inject creativity and personality into franchise movies like the X-Men movies or the Lego movies. Um, it, it's, it's about like everything. It's also, you know, about, uh, how like mid-budget dramas have shifted to like Netflix and why Amazon started doing like small indie films and but paying really big money for them to get their platform launched and stuff like that. It, it's really cool. It goes into so much stuff um, about the entire Hollywood industry in the past 20 years. Highly recommend it. It's very informative. And uh, yeah, if you want to understand Hollywood, I definitely recommend this. It also focuses a lot on Sony Pictures since there's so much information about how they work because all their emails are released. He uses all of it and quotes them all the time to say, this is how it functions in Hollywood. Very cool. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So that's the big picture by Ben Fritz, right? Yeah. Very good. Colin, um, the fight for the future of movies. Just in case you couldn't find it. Uh, <laughs> what, what makes me sad about doing this is that we dedicated an entire hour to actually catching up on what's up and I'm not done. And neither is Dan and neither is Jesse. I'm looking at our Google doc and we still probably, uh, we could do another hour, honestly. Um, but that's going to have to be it. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna have to figure this out, guys. We're gonna have to figure out how we're going to do this, but I hope you like this. If you like this kind of episode, let us know, shoot us an email, comment on any of our social medias, 
Um, and it's just a special shout out to to a friend of ours who's been helping us out with the social medias. Uh, Cecilia, um, she's been really kind of changing how we're doing stuff and how we post. She's being regular about the posting. She's, um, she's doing a lot posting of posting on social yeah, media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. She's been helping us a lot. So if you're seeing us more often, it's because of Cecilia and we owe her big. Um, but from all of us here at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Good night.